0: Good morning, Four Corners. How we doing? We're good. We made it here safely. It was pretty crazy driving here, a lot of fog and stuff like that, but I'm so excited to be here with you. It's going to be an awesome day. I just Before we begin, I just want to tell you it is an honor, honestly, and a privilege to be on this stage to speak from the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God is not just text on paper, but it's actually breath on paper, and we count it as a huge deal, and it is an honor, honestly, to be here with you uh, at our church home. I love this place. My wife and I have been here Serving since 2010, but I say this all the time. If I wasn't at staff here, we would still be attending. We would still be serving. We would still be giving. We love this church. And it is, again, an honor, but here's the deal. Pastor Ben is away with Jill, uh, celebrating Jill's birthday. And what's pretty neat, and I think it's, it's pretty neat, is that the hardest two jobs at a church, and this is, this is from, uh, I grew up in a pastor's family. The two hardest jobs is the first one is lead pastor. And the second one is being a lead pastor's wife. It's the truth. And that, that they can be able to take a couple days to relax, to uh, catch up. We just want to give them as much time as they want. And Ben asked me to preach, and it is going to be a great morning. I can't, can't wait. And, and the other thing that's really interesting and nice about my role here is that we have a great staff. Uh, some of the staff I get to serve with, all of them are really close friends. And we believe some things about the church. We believe that the local church... That, that even right here is the hope of the world. We actually believe that real love now can exist. That you can come with real problems that exist in your life and you can look to a real God. We also believe that you can, you can love and that you can have relationships. That you can have community. And we actually believe the last part, the now, that in finding your purpose, that you can actually find it now, not tomorrow, not next week, that you can begin to discover your purpose right now. We're going to talk about that today. What I want to do is pray, and we're going to get going. God, thank you. Lord, humble me. Humble these words. Lord, let them be yours. Let them not be me. Let let us learn more about you, who you've designed us to be, who you've created us to be. Lord, we love you. Today, we want to be learners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, what's really cool in my life, kind of recently, is my wife Rebecca is pregnant. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Woo! That's that's pretty neat. And the craziest thing about uh, her being pregnant—it's kind of that—it's it's going to be our first child, which is pretty neat. But uh, the craziest thing about that is is finding out that you're pregnant. So if you're a parent in the room, if you have children, you know this is kind of the normal thing. But it's completely new to me. I mean, completely new. So came home, uh, she took the test, came down. I'm reading the test, and I don't know uh, if, if you remember this, but it's actually pretty difficult to read the test. So I got the instructions out. I'm reading through them. It says plus, but in my mind, I'm thinking, maybe that's a minus, maybe that's an X. Maybe I should take the test and kind of <laughs> counterbalance it and see, but we're, we're so excited, and, and the, the coolest part, about this journey is, your, is that first appointment. That first appointment, when you walk in, you have no idea and they're telling you, hey, Will, Rebecca, you're gonna be able to feel the heartbeat for the first time. And you're kind of sitting in that chair and you're waiting and it comes on, it sounds like, it sounds like that. As you hear the baby's heart beating and it's going 172 beats per minute and it's pumping. And here's the deal, it gave me a new realization that we're, we, we're, we're, we're trusting a good God, that he knows us. That he actually knows you. He knew your heartbeat before you were you. It's a good realization. And hey, we're talking about relationships. And kind of the disclaimer I want to just make you all aware of is that I'm not a relationship guru. I'm not an expert. My wife and I have been married just over, almost closing in on three years. And I'm not an expert. So what I've prayed is that my words, God's words today, would just come right from the text. It's not coming from me being an expert at this. I'm learning with you. And, and we're going to discover some, some interesting topics and it's, it's going uh, to be a good day. But if you're a woman in the room today and, man, relationships have kind of not been your thing and you've been hurt and you've been burned, I just, I just want you to know that, that, that you were created by God. <laughs> you were created by that same God who knew your heartbeat and, and knew who you were. You were created by him. And that you're a daughter of the king. And that you can be encouraged that this is the right place for you. You're not in the wrong place. If you're a man in this room, and man relationships again, every, even if I'm saying it makes you feel uneasy or makes you feel cautious, I've I got to say you're not damaged goods. God's got a plan for you. I believe that God created relationships for a reason and for a purpose, but you're in the right room. And we're going to talk to married couples today, and I'm asking and praying that you would lean in just like I'm leaning in as well. Let's discover new things today. And uh, Joseph and Melissa kind of said, but we're in the middle of a relationship series. It's called You, Me, and Us. And uh, if you're watching online and you're not in a relationship and you're not for relationships, it's okay. And even if you're brand new to church and this Jesus thing is, is new, it's, it's completely okay. I think you can actually learn how to be a better friend how to be a better boyfriend, girlfriend, how to be a better spouse, you can learn that today. There's three core principles that as I'm reading this, I think is pretty important for all human beings. Here's three things that we look for. Here's the first one. It's satisfaction. Satisfaction is the first thing that's just relevant to you as a human being. We all look for it in different regards. Some of us are looking for satisfaction in our spouse right here. This morning, some of us are looking for satisfaction through our job. Some of us are looking for satisfaction in many different arenas of our life. The second one is identity. I think all humans inside of us need identity. Who are we? Why were we created? What are we doing here on earth? And the third one is purpose. And here's the truth. Honestly, only God can provide true satisfaction into your life. Your spouse can't. Your girlfriend can't, your boyfriend can't, your best friend, your family can't fully provide that. Only God can stamp genuine identity into your life and only God can infuse purpose into your life. We're really all about that here at Four Corners. We wanna know why you were designed to be who you are. You're unique. The person sitting next to you has a different part in God's army. And if you're looking to your current spouse, spouse, your future spouse, a group of friends they cannot provide these three things so we're going to dive into some scripture here that's pretty awesome it's Ephesians 5:21 33. If you're following along, maybe on your phone, your Bible, you can go there. We're going to kind of take it as we go. Take it in four quarters. I love sports, so we're going to kind of attack it with four-quarter mindset. And the first quarter is Ephesians 5, 18, 21. And before we really learn about it, we got to know that Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And what's happening in this time of history is, is pretty unique. It's pretty special. The word of God and the gospel is spreading like wildfire. And Paul is writing to a church And beginning to describe more about, hey, this this word of Jesus, this thing is the real deal. And it's spreading all over. But I've got some thoughts for you. He's instructing the church and reminding them that the good news, that the gospel is for all Jews, Gentiles, male, female, bond, free. That all are united in Christ. That's a pretty radical idea. So we're going to talk about the longest marriage scripture in the New Testament today. So here we go. Paul is teaching us again about the perfect game plan. Here's what it says. Ephesians 5, 18. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I titled the message today the S-word, and there's a whole, uh, there's a lot of S-words out there, but this is the S-word I'm talking about. Submit. You got to imagine Paul, if he was standing here with us today, he may say this, hey, if you call upon the name of Jesus, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, remember this principle. Every single person, male, female, bond, slave, every single person, submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ. It's an important thing that this mutual submission part of being a believer and being a follower of Jesus, don't miss it because it's really important. It's really, really important. And we will see the, the passage progressed and that two core thoughts are now just starting to emerge about relationships and about marriages. Here it is God designed marriage to picture the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. We're going to talk about that. The second one is this, is that God designed marriage to provide a picture of our relationship with him. That our relationship with him matters. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. We talk about being in reverence of Christ, and, and here's the deal. Here, here's his humility on display right here in Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So this is a completely drastic, a, a, complete, a complete shift from our culture, my culture, one we live in. C- consider others more significant than me. I got to be honest. That's pretty tough for Will a lot of times because I I think I'm pretty significant, <laughs> and you probably think you're pretty significant too. I'm starting to meddle a little bit, but we got it. We'll be okay. Keep in mind, Jesus. This is Philippians two. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so again, we, we revisit the S yes word, submit. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ and what he showed us. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable, and perfect. If you're following along in our message notes, this part's pretty important. It's for all people, right here. Here's the truth. Relationships flourish when Jesus is first. This is for all believers. We're not even talking about spouses, husbands, wives, but relationships flourish when Jesus is first. Well, Will, that is the most basic Idea, maybe I, I've ever heard. Look, I don't I don't get to preach all that often, so I gotta bring it pretty basic to us today. But relationships flourish when Jesus is first and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You gotta imagine, again, Paul is looking at new gatherings of churches and thinking, how does the word of God, how does the gospel, how does it apply to families? All family members. I'm gonna I'm, Point two, I'm going to really challenge you with this one. I'm challenging you today, this week, to ask this question. What can I do to help? If submitting to, to Jesus and the reverence of what he did, we need to be asking and getting away from what we think is important. Ask this question. What can I do to help? A mentor of mine once challenged me with this thought. It's not in your notes. You can take it a note if you want. If you don't, it, it's free. It's kind of extra credit. But he said, what, what can you stop doing? What can you start doing? And what can you continue to do? I know when I ask this question of my wife, it's a scary question. I kind of don't want to know (laughs) before I ask it. But asking what can I do to help is a powerful place to start when it comes to relationships. (laughs) Students, if there are students in the room, I challenge you, (laughs) ask your parents this today. Like, you may completely shock them uh, into submission. I don't know. It could be kind of wild to ask it and actually mean it. Men, I challenge you to ask this question during the Super Bowl next week, maybe the fourth quarter, especially if the game's close. Hey, what can I do to help? How can I get away from the screen and help you out a little bit? Women, now, there's, there's just one asterisk here I, I wrote down. But uh, ladies, asking this question in the car... While your spouse or boyfriend is completely lost is not a good time uh, just just, just don 't ask at that time right um, and here 's another phrase: Should I call my dad to help? It never works it never works either that's just that 's really really bad right that 's a really bad time to ask uh, that question, but any other time right is good it 's like a death blow when I hear that my wife is is perfect in every way, and uh, the ground she walks on is holy, but time she 's ever said, "Hey, I think my dad can." Uh, can get us to the location. I think he can fix that. It's like a death blow to the spirit of my inner being, right? Uh, spouse, uh, wives, wives in the room, if you're doing that, maybe, yeah, take a little note there. Hey, speaking of death blows, speaking of death blows, I grew up in Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati sports, right? Cincinnati, uh, wow. Wow. It, it's had some death blows in the sports arena. Like I'm telling you what, I grew up a Bengals fan. I've been to 18 straight Reds opening days. I'm a huge fan. What I've realized is they continual, continually give death blows to the Spirit. Uh, of myself as a fan but I discovered this year something that's pretty cool it's called FC Cincinnati it's our new soccer team they're not pro there we go got some fans not pro level yet but they're pretty close and I gotta be honest kind of growing up uh, cheerleading and soccer were kind of the same thing to me it's kind of a sport but we're not gonna really call it a sport if you're not tall enough to play basketball or football soccer's kind of your thing but hey what I loved about soccer this year was I was following a team that was actually doing well a team that was actually winning. Like what in the world? So Rebecca, a couple of our friends, I got a picture here I want to show you. We were at a game that was pretty neat. It was against the Chicago fire and there we are you can kind of see me it's a big forehead there I am back there and uh we were at the game and what was so cool about this game is we were just off a win in the playoffs against the Columbus crew if you're from Columbus we love Columbus but come on Cincinnati's a little a little better than Columbus right and so we were watching this game we had just beat the Columbus crew and we were watching the game versus Chicago fire a pro team versus a minor league team pretty awesome David versus Goliath I mean, so many Bible references here as the the minor league team faces the professional team. We had gone 90 minutes of regulation. The score was zero to zero. And the coolest part of the game was our goalie. His name was Mitch. And Mitch had a specific role to play in the game. Mitch was not required to take the soccer ball, go the length of the field and try to score. All his role was, was to block all Chicago Fire's shots on goal i got a little highlight. If you're a sports fan, this is going to hype you up a little bit. Check it out. This story of FC Cincinnati just runs and runs. Will it ever have another chapter? They've uh, put themselves in the perfect position here. Yes, yes, now, no. yes, yes, no. has to score. Played. I think he's on FC Cincinnati have taken the Chicago Fire to penalty kicks here. A 25-year-old midfielder will open up this penalty shootout. Quinn has put it over the top. Hildebrandt complete the hat-trick here against Nikolic. Nikolic saved! He had done his homework! And he so... Nothing is getting by Mitch Hildebrandt. to score in Europe against Hildebrand and Hildebrand has done it again it is sensational for Cincinnati Mitch Hildebrand the hero and the underdogs have prevailed once again oh goosebumps you were there right oh my goodness Mitch had a role and what Mitch did was incredible I'm thinking back, just getting excited. We, we can forego the message. Let's just talk sports, man. 5, 10, 15 minutes, right? But what a role he had. What a role he had. Pretty cool. We're going into quarter two. You ready? Here we go. I think I'm ready. Here we do it. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Yo, it just got hot in here. Anybody else like sweating? I think we just turned on the heat. Whoa, whoa, all right. Will, you were pretty cool (laughs) uh, up here singing until you started preaching. Now, you're you're not too cool anymore. Hey, we're just reading the text, not me, right? God's commands to wives. We're not talking boyfriend, or we're not talking girlfriends, we're talking to wives here, is that they submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. Remember, we need to imagine if Paul is here with us. Stay with me. You, stay with me. You gotta imagine if Paul was here and he's speaking and he's saying, hey, to all, remember, man, female, remember, submit to one another. The S word, it's really important. And now I'm gonna break it down. And that's what Paul did. And whatever reason, he chose wives first. Husbands, we're getting to you. We're we're gonna get you, just wait. If you're following along, here's pretty important. Wives, you are submitting out of the power given to you by the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to wives in the room who say, I follow the Lord, I'm a Jesus follower, because there is no other way to accomplish this feat, it's not possible. It is not possible. You're not going to be good enough. You're, you, it's, it's very, very hard. Trust me here. Wise, point two. You pour life and joy into your husband's leadership. God created marriage. And God doesn't create things that don't work. God creates perfect things. God knew what he was doing when he created marriage. God knew what he was doing when he created the covenant of marriage. It's the perfect game plan. God doesn't make mistakes. During premarital counseling, my wife and I, uh, if, if you're about to get married, I really highly suggest premarital counseling. It, it, uh, it was great for my wife and I. So If you're about to head into that, if you haven't done it, going to a counselor doesn't mean you're some kind of uh, weirdo or freako. It's really nice uh, to meet with someone and talk. But there was a book we read. It's called Love and Respect. Here's a quote. Unfortunately, a wife's usual approach is to complain and criticize in order to motivate her husband to become more loving. This usually proves about as successful as trying to sell brass knuckles to to Mother Teresa. It doesn't work. I want to go to Genesis 1. As we're talking about the S word, we're going to Genesis 1, and at the time, the context of Genesis 1 is God is on a creative conquest, that God is creating things left and right. I mean, it would be so cool to be there that day. As, as it follows along, God is creating things. It's a discussion for another, another time, but I think gr- God created everything. We can disagree about that later, but my, uh, my opinion's right, yours is wrong. And God is on a creative conquest as he designs life. I got a couple photos here I want to show you. These are actually from the scene, uh, actual real-time photos of what we're talking about. Uh, but here's the first one. God's creating. It's, it's not real. That's, that's just a funny photo. I thought. <laughs> anyway, there's the second photo. There's the second photo. This, these are the kind of things God's creating, which are pretty awesome. The third one, uh, we're starting to realize, oh, my gosh. They were getting on Noah's Ark eventually. That's pretty cool, right? Here's the fourth one. Whoa, I... I don't know if that one's supposed to be, I don't think that one's supposed to be there. I don't know if we uh, got that one wrong. I'm not sure uh, there's anything godly or holy about cats. But uh, (laughs) they were a part of creation, I guess. The devil created them. We kind of, no, I'm just kidding. We kind of let them on. But here's the thing that's pretty interesting is God is creating things and he keeps saying it's good. Created this and it is good. God keeps saying it's kind of like on repeat. Saying it's good. It's good. Genesis 2, 18 hits. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good. A powerful phrase. God actually said it's not good. What? It's not good. What do you, what do you mean? I'm going to continue. It's not good that men should be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's interesting about this phrase, guys. Is I got to be honest. My wife is not just a helper. Husbands, your wife and your spouse isn't just a helper. In our English culture, it, it doesn't really represent what's trying to be said here. In Hebrew, the word for "helper" is pronounced "azer," and is always and only used in the Old text, Testament in the context of vitally important and powerful acts of rescue and support. The radical idea that Paul is beginning and talking in Ephesians that men and women could be equal partners in marriage is really. Important, it's a radical idea, completely radical. So wives, where can you start? Proverbs 31, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Challenging you today, wives. Understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. All right? Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I think there's four key words here that, that can help us. First one's humility. Gentleness, patience, and love. Look, dudes, we're kind of stupid sometimes. <laughs> so wives, be patient. I gotta, I gotta say this, in married ladies in the room, there's nothing more powerful than a wife who routinely builds up her husband. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful. If you're caught in a cycle of continually tearing down your husband, your spouse, I just gotta ask you to stop, stop. There's nothing more powerful than a wife who talks kindly about her husband. The times I hear my wife talking positive about me, come on, put me in, I I'll face whatever. We're in quarter three. Husbands, you thought you were getting off easy, but here we go. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the words, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Husbands, lean in, lean in. Come on, I'm learning with you. I'm learning right there with you. Point one, if Christian husbands are to lead like Christ, they will lead by example, not exploitation. John 13, for Christ took up the basin and washed his disciples' feet, challenging us to follow his example. And I gotta say a side note. Also be prepared to wash the feet of those who are gonna betray you. Jesus did. That's pretty powerful. Number two, husbands. If we're going to lead like Christ, we're going to lead by sacrifice, not selfishness. Jesus struggled with this in the garden. Matthew 26 says that Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, But as your will, Jesus showed showed us the ultimate sacrifice. Christ's leadership took him to Calvary to die sacrificially on a cross for us, for all people. Husbands, how are you sacrificially loving your spouse? Point three, if Christian husbands are to lead like Christ, they will lead by determination, not domination. Domination. For Christ leads with such sensitivity that Isaiah 42 states, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Husbands, what I'm trying to get to and what we've just read in Ephesians is that God has called us to lead. So here's a start. Here's the start. Are we ready? First one is take initiative. Since when is it okay That your wife, that that wives in the room, that, that you should be getting the kids up to church, that you should be leading the charge, the spiritual charge in your family. Since when? Come on, take initiative. That's what we're reading about. Number two, be a man of vision. Godly husbands, godly men, have vision. Don't just have vision in the corporate world. Have vision for where you want to lead and guide your family in Christ. That's important. A lot of men I get the, the honor to talk to, that's the thing, man. They go to work and they kill it and then they come home and it's kind of just shut off and, yeah, I'll let, let my spouse. That's not what God's telling us to do, man. Number three, godly husbands should have direction. I think it's pretty interesting. Is This also comes into play... Uh, in regard to fights, I don't know, man. Growing up, it seemed like the worst fights, and my, my mom was, is probably gonna hate me saying this, but the worst fights always would happen on the way to church. I don't know if anybody could say, hey, that always happens to me too. My kids can't get up. We're bickering, we're fighting, but the worst fights. But when it comes to fights, men, this is a point that you may not see directly in Ephesians, but I think it's important. When it comes to conflict in marriage, husbands seek peace first. Walk to the conflict. Don't run. Run to the fire. Run to where it's difficult. Have meaningful and challenging conversations with your spouse and watch God work inside of it. Seek peace first. That's sacrificial love at work. It's not easy. It's not easy. So we've talked to wives, we've talked to husbands. I hope you know that you're feeling encouraged that this is possible. It's possible. Ephesians 5, quarter four, if you're following along with me. Here we go. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. See the correlation there? It's important. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects husband. We've got marching orders. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room today and you're in a marriage relationship, if you're single and, you're, and you really want to have a great marriage one day, or maybe you're you're kind of on the edge and you're wondering, hey man, my marriage is not cool. <laughs> it's kind of stinky right now. Here's some marching orders, maybe a place to start. Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. Wow, this is, this is, This is a daily gut check for Will. If I can be as honest and transparent as I can be today, this is a major gut check. Because if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. If I need clothes, I'm going to buy them. If I need anything, I can depend on Will. Your wife needs to hear you say this, that I love you no matter what. Your wife needs to hear you say that, man. That's sacrifice, your wife needs to see you be proactive in showing your love toward her. You see the relationship as we saw that Christ's humility was so strong that it actually took him to the cross. Men, we have to do that. Husbands, we have to do that. Wives, pretty simple. Here we go. Respect your husband. Respect your husband. Husbands run On respect. I'm speaking out of example. Speaking from my own heart. Husbands run on respect. Respect is our currency. It's the thing that gets us up in the morning. It's the thing that drives us. It's the thing that challenges us. Men run on respect. I'm going to read you this. It's from my wife. She says, happy belated anniversary. Sorry things were crazy and I didn't do anything special. I love you so much and I cherish every moment with you. Thanks for being the man I always dreamed that I would bury. Respect is our currency. Respect is our currency. It's not Will just saying it. Provide an atmosphere of respect towards your husband. Well, Will, he doesn't deserve it. I know. Husbands and wives, I think there's one final thought as we're looking at Ephesians that's pretty important. So we've talked about the S word and we talked about how important that is, but here's the truth in marriage. I'm not a, I'm not Dr. Phil, I'm not a relationship guy. I'm not a pro. I'm just take, trying to take something from the text and make it apply. We continue to read that selfishness is enemy number one in your marriage. Selfishness is enemy number one. Talking to married couples in the room right now. If you leave this unchecked, it will kill your marriage. With selfishness, what happens a lot is bitterness begins to take root. And my wife and I moved in to a house last year. It's kind of one of those fixer uppers. You, you see them on TV and it's like so easy. They fix the house in kind of like two weeks. We're about a year in and we've done a couple rooms. Uh, it takes way longer than you think. And we noticed this tree that was probably from here to the end of that wall. It was actually in our neighbor's property. And we noticed it started to begin to tilt just slightly towards our house. And so like a good neighbor, I went to the neighbor and said, hey, notice this tree, not a huge deal, but we'd love to uh, have it taken down. And as the experts came out to quote us for the tree, they said that the tree actually isn't the problem. The tree leaning over, that's probably going to be there for a long time. But what the problem is, is where its roots have gone. Because the roots that started, the tree over there, the roots have made their way towards your house, Will, my house, and they've started to go underneath the porch, and they're now starting to make way and work on the foundation of your house. The tree's over there, though. How's that? The roots are so strong that they're beginning to come against the foundation of your house. The only way to get rid of it, to completely chop it off and sever it and axe it right there. We're building a a, a walkway there. And that's that's really the only way, truly, (laughs) that we can put a walkway there. But the same thing is, is true with selfishness and bitterness, guys. Hebrews tells us that no bitter root grows up. Don't let it. Selfishness will starve enjoyment and love out of your marriage, completely right out of it. Selfishness is enemy number one in your marriage, in my marriage. Selfishness. But if two spouses say this powerful phrase, that I'm going to treat my self-centeredness as the main problem in this marriage, then you have the prospect of a truly great marriage. Kind of a closing thought again is when we think about relationships, and this is for everybody in the room. People don't look to Christians. (laughs) It's kind of like the last place they look. Because we're a jacked up group group of individuals, right? We are. Married Christians in the room, our marriage and relationship, what it says in the Bible, is supposed to attract others to Christ. Our marriage is supposed to be a perfect picture of Jesus Christ's relationship to the church. 2 Corinthians tells us that we, or the aroma of Christ. And I've got to ask you, what aroma is your relationship leaving? What aroma is being left in your relationship? Imagine, imagine with me. Imagine what God has in store for your marriage if we just take a step towards these principles. Just imagine. 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 What God has in store for, you, for your life, for your purpose, for your identity as a, as, a, as a couple, but as an individual. Imagine what God has in store. If we take Ephesians 5 and we say, hey, I'm committing it. I'm going to do it. Men, I am going to work. I'm going to love sacrificially women. I'm going to respect my husband. Even though it's hard, imagine what God can do. Imagine what God can do in your relationships. Imagine what God could do in this church. We're all about families in this area. That's kind of our thing. But imagine what could happen in your family. Imagine how God could work. Imagine what God has in store, guys. It's pretty special. It's pretty awesome. So we're going to take bold steps right now. And and before we take them, come on, let's be bold. Let's take some steps that are going to challenge us. This is a challenging message. So grateful that you'd let me deliver it, that you'd at least listen. Step A, if you're you're kind of new to the faith and something struck a chord in you today and you want to begin to follow Jesus, you want to confirm that what he did on the cross is enough for you, it's always been enough, you want to begin to believe in that, I challenge you to just, just mark next step A. We're not saying raise your hands. We're not saying come down to the front of the stage. We're saying mark a card, mark a card. Step B coming up in February is baptism. And we we baptized 70 people in 2017. A bold goal this year is that we would baptize 100 of us. It's a public proclamation that what's happening inside your heart and what's happening inside your life is is real. And there's no better place to celebrate baptisms. I'm telling you what, it's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. Next step C is this we got to be bold here i will take an axe don't take a literal axe but we're just i will take an axe to selfishness and bitterness in my relationships starting today part of this you can write it on the side i'm going to ask this question to my spouse every single day what can i do to help i'm going to ask my spouse what can i do to make your day better what can i start doing What can I stop doing? What can I continue to do? And when I ask, I'm actually going to mean it. I'm going to put effort and energy behind it. Husbands, we're going to do it. Wives, we're going to do it. Step D is this. I am going to connect on a new level with God and others. Please sign me up for group number. Just put it in there. You saw the Life at 4C booklet. What's cool here is is this is awesome. But what really happens, life change happens in circles. When you're having dinner at someone's house, that's when life change happens. Next step E. Most important one of the day. I'm going to invest in my marriage through the "You, Me, and Us" the series we're doing right now. Please send me the links to sign up for the date night. That's happening Friday night, and/or the marriage conference. Look, there's no better time spent on a Saturday. Put the chores aside, get a babysitter. For the kids, invest in your marriage. This week, Saturday, it's $50. Invest in it. Invest in it. It matters. Your relationship matters. I'd love to see you there. As people are coming to the front to take our tithes and offerings, I want to share a pretty cool story. Last Saturday, we served 130 lunches at New Life Mission, it's where we do outreach efforts in our backyard, it's in Hamilton. We cleaned and organized the closet where all the groceries that many of 4C folks have have donated, of clothing, of food, of groceries. And I tell you this because when you give to Four Corners, it matters. And we're grateful. Ministry happens not just on a Sunday, but in a Saturday at 10 a.m. at New Life Mission. Church was at work. I could not be more proud of it. I cannot be more proud of our church. I'm standing there with 15, 20, four corners, folks, we hand out bags, and it's powerful. It's powerful. As the buckets come around, you can put your connect card, but right now let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that we can trust you. Lord, I pray that there's something stirring up within some of us today that we actually can take action toward it. Lord, you've called us for more. You've called us for more, Lord. You've called us to to be a better husband. You've called us to be a better wife. You've called us to be a better spouse. You've called us to be a better friend. Lord, I pray right now that we would begin to walk in it. Lord, help us follow you today. Let Let us follow you with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Everything, all God's people said amen. Amen, amen.